Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au If you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Let me add my happy Father's Day to all the dads here today. We're glad you're with us, especially those that have come with family or friends. Uh, It's a good day to be in church. Please hang out and enjoy. I just want to say thanks to the guys uh, that organise the cars, Glenn and Daryl especially, for uh, letting us uh, have those out the front. Because the theme today is classics. And I want to talk about what... uh, I want to talk about the theme of restoration. Because all the cars that you see out the front this morning didn't look like that five, ten years ago. They've actually required some significant work, some significant care. Uh, They all live in garages. They've all cost their families a lot of money and a lot of time. And, uh, but restoration is the thing that brings them back to the place that they are today. So I want to talk about what we value and what things are worth. And I'm going to have a little bit of fun to start this morning, right? Because it's Father's Day, we need to just give out some chocolate and have a little bit of fun. So I want to find out who here uh, has got their finger on the pulse of the price of valuable items. But I thought what we'd do is we'd have a nearest the pin type competition. I have some... Uh, things that are worth something and some more than you'd expect and some less than you'd expect and I'm going to get a few people to try and guess what they are nearest the pin wins the ultimate dad Toblerone but what I thought would be fun is why don't we pick uh, a dad and one of their kids to play off against each other because it works really well for the dads because if the dad wins they get the Toblerone if the kid wins they're going to feel guilty and give it to the dad does that make sense who here is into music a few years ago, I decided to start collecting records. Now, this is not mine. This has come from someone else in the church, uh, although it might find its way home to my place this afternoon into my collection. But uh, anyone know what album that is? Okay, any, any families here that uh, love their music? I just need a dad and a child. Nearest the pin to value this. Okay, right at the back. Stand, come on, you two, stand up. Okay, now, obviously there's a lot of places that you can find this record, okay? Um, I've just went off a record site that seems to pop up onto my Facebook page regularly called Bondi Records. So the Beatles' Abbey Road album, this is an absolute classic, isn't it? So I just Googled Beatles' Abbey Road, Bondi Records. How much do you think you could buy a reasonable copy of this secondhand at Bondi Records. I'm going to give you the first chance to guess this. Nearest the pin wins. 75. 75, okay. 140. 140. Guess what? $70. Young man. Congratulations. Give these guys a hand. I don't own this. Do you guys? No, I better not give that away. Awesome. Rightio, who here is in to rugby league? <laughs> okay, down the front. <laughs> now, I just needed to bring this up because I'm a Parramatta Eel supporter. <laughs> <laughs> this was the jersey that the Eels wore when they won the 1986 Premiership. That has been how long-suffering anyone in this room is that supports Parramatta. Does anyone else support Parramatta? Jay, you and me, mate, we are cheering this on. 
I got this as a kid. My, my uncle used to work with one of the guys that played for the Eels and it's weathered now, but this was the number seven jersey signed by Peter Sterling. This has lived in my closet. I tried to get my son Ben to wear it to the Eels versus Broncos match last week. What was the score in that? Anyone remember? <laughs> anyway, I jumped online. I, I think you guys should play this one. I, I heard the biggest cheer for rugby league. Come on. You just could stand where you are. I jumped online and found a framed... 1986 Parramatta Eels Premiership jersey signed by the entire team. Ray Price, Brett Kenny, Peter Sterling, framed and signed. Nearest the pin. $220. Parramatta. This, Sam? Don't be mean. $20. Sir, you in that. You were way closer. 550, I was a bit disappointed about that too. I thought it should be worth thousands. Any gamers in the room? Any gamers? First gaming system I got was a 19, uh, was a Sega Master System 2. Now I don't have a version of this, it's on the screen. Did anyone else own a Sega Master System 2? Right, I think over here. Jay, you're having this little competition with one of your kids. I jumped on Facebook Marketplace and typed in Sega Master System 2, second hand with Alex the Kid in Miracle World, build-in edition, and two extra games. Let's have a little nearest the pin. Come on, Jay, you start. Come on, Joey. Joe, it's yours, but it was only. <laughs> that is one smart kid right there. <laughs> $250 according to Facebook Marketplace. Radio, classical musicians. I can't play this against you, Dad. Hands down. Now, I've got a story. Someone in our church found this on a. Uh, trailer that was going to the dump when house was getting this is a violin in great nick but the stamp on the back of it says grand concert violin Stradivarius Okay, there was a few kind of gasps there. Who gasped? I heard some from over the sea air area. So Nelson, why don't you play this with one of your parents-in-law that you're sitting with this morning? Now, a lot of, for those that don't know classical music, the Stradivaria violin is one of the rarest and most valuable violins that you can find on the planet. Most top-flight classical musicians don't ever get to play them or get loaned them from private collectors that have them locked in vaults in banks somewhere in the world. Now, we're fairly certain this isn't an original Stradivarius violin. It's just been stamped with it, but one day someone will get this checked out. But most, uh, there are a lot of imitations made over the years with the stamp put on them. But recently, a Stradivarius violin was being put up for auction. It was one of the originals. Uh, that was made early when Stradivari, who's an Italian instrument maker, was putting together 
violins and it went to auction and there was a suggested price tag for what this was going to sell for in US dollars. Nearest the pin. Nelson, who are we playing against? Greg? 50,000. Okay, Greg? 4 million. Mike? 11.3 million US dollars. Greg, happy Father's Day. Nelson, happy first Father's Day. Okay. Thanks for playing along. Have a great Sunday. A couple of years ago, this car that's going to appear on the screen was found in a chicken coop uh, in a shed somewhere between Toowoomba and Brisbane, in, in kind of rural Queensland. It's a, anyone know what car that is? An XAGT Falcon. It was found, been sitting in this chicken coop for 30 years. Went to auction. Now, the Hopkins are going to play this off because Lily's got a hand in the air. And if you want to talk about cars and love of cars and classic cars, Daryl is very happy for you to get some photos of a few of his out the front this morning, but Daryl and Lily, why don't you stand up? I want you to have a guess as to what this car sold for at auction just a few years ago. Lil, will you get the first go? Daryl? $300,909. Lil, come on, Daryl. Give Daryl a hand. Now, Lil, I'm going to um, make him share some of that with you because that was pretty impressive. XAGT Falcon in a chicken coop, $300,909 at auction. Uh, they suggest that there was probably $100,000 worth of work that was going to be required to restore it to its original condition. I want to talk for a couple of minutes this morning on Father's Day about value. About value. It, sometimes we don't realise how valuable something is, do we? That car had probably been walked past, driven past, looked at. Uh, you know, a lot of people that had no idea. I'm not a car person. I would have looked at that and gone, cool car, pretty dirty, a lot of work, who cares? But there's some here that know exactly what that car is. An XAGT Falcon. And I'm not going to do a disservice to the car industry or the classic car lovers in the room by trying to explain to you why it's a cool car. All I know is it was a unique uh, car that was made for a purpose. There's a narrative and a story around it. There weren't that many of them made. And so they are a peak collector's car for people to find. And it had been sitting in a chicken coop in someone's, at someone's farm for 30 years. And some of us don't realise how valuable things are. And I want to turn this away from material possessions now to people. I want to suggest that some of us don't realise how valuable we are. We get up and we look in the mirror and I look back over all the years of photos that I've had at Father's Day and realise that time is starting to weather me. The hair's falling out, the beard's going grey, the muscles are starting to just soften up a little bit. But some of us don't realise our value because when we take stock of ourselves, we realise that we're just a little bit beaten up and run down. 
And sometimes it's the narrative that rolls around our life that builds in us a narrative of value. See, I would suggest to some of us here that when we look at our life, we realise that all we were was a commodity to someone else's productivity. In other words, we just turn up, did what we did. We, you know, like we were replaceable. Someone else could do it. But as long as we showed up, we got paid, we did our job. And we were just, in our eyes, simply a commodity. We were valuable while ever we were productive. But as soon as we weren't productive for whatever reason we started to build a narrative that we looked at that we were losing our value. Maybe we don't see the value in ourselves because we're a little bit broken. And maybe the brokenness is through our own recklessness. Maybe we've made some really dumb decisions in our life that we, we lie awake in bed and think about and wish that we could rewind the tape and take it back and change that decision or change that action or change that relationship or change whatever it was. But there's a pain and a hurt inside of us and we're so aware of it and we just know that you know, there's, there's a dent that's come through life. Maybe we don't feel broken because of decisions we made. Maybe just, you know, we would describe ourselves as a little bit of a lemon. There's some things going on with us physically or in other ways that just are a little bit faulty. And we build a narrative that because there's some parts of us that are broken, our value is diminished. I, I wonder if some of us don't see our value because we're at a stage in life where we realise that there's always a newer model that's going to take our place. And I just want to talk to some blokes, especially here today. I don't think this is just for the fellas, but a, a lot of us can live our life building an identity around what we do. And while we're at the peak of our powers and you know, we're in the middle of every conversation and we're the one that everybody goes to, we feel really great about ourselves. But what happens when that starts to diminish and you know, some younger people or some new ideas or some fresher energy starts to come into the room and suddenly we're not as valued in our place of work because there's others that are starting to take our place. I know there's a lot of blokes that struggle with who they are because they've found their identity in what they did and when that starts to diminish, they start to feel like they no longer have value. They've been upgraded by a newer model with Apple CarPlay and air conditioning and reversing cameras and suddenly all the ways that used to, you used to do things don't happen that way anymore. It's really easy to lose or struggle with our value when we start to lose our sense of identity and it's really hard when we find our identity in what we do or what we're known for. I talk to a lot of, in my world, and everyone's world is different, but I talk to a lot of retired pastors that, you know, spend a lot of time leading churches and making decisions and standing on stage kind of talking to God's word and suddenly when that's removed, you've got to find your identity in something that's not about what you do. I realise for me that one day that will be part of the story I'm going to have to deal with. But we can allow that narrative to actually diminish the value we see in ourselves. Some of us just don't actually recognise how valuable we are right now. Chrissy. Her first car was a 1975 Holden Gemini, yellow. Used to buzz around the streets of Toowoomba. I think it got stolen once and left in a park somewhere. But I looked that up online the other day and someone was trying to sell one of those vehicles for $40,000 because now in some eyes they've become collector cars. Anyone else see a first car of Gemini? Mine was too. Anyone else have a Gemini as their first car? A couple of us. I tell you what, I bought my Gemini for $2,000. It was a 1979 two-tone maroon and gold 
it had rust holes in the floor. The windscreen wipers kind of, the, the jets shot sideways. You couldn't lock it. It got broken into once. Someone used a paddle pop stick to open the door. It had vinyl seats, which was awesome for a guy that sweats as much as I did. I used to turn up looking like I was in a football shirt every time I preached because I had like a sweat strip that kind of ran an angle down my shirt. I just remember getting that car and thinking, man, I can't wait to get rid of this heap of junk and get something a little bit better. But now it's seen as a classic. Some of us don't, just don't realise the value that we have right now. You know what gives us value? The thing that makes something valuable is, is, comes from, I would say, three things. One, it's creator. That violin made as an imitation of a classic is probably worth a couple of hundred dollars, probably in the condition it's in. It's probably not even worth that. But if you happen to find on someone's trailer a violin made by the master violin maker, Stradivaria, it's worth millions. If you find a violin with his stamp on it, its value is untold. They're so hard to find. They're so rare. They're locked away in vaults. But the value is so immense because of the creator of the violin and the stamp that they've put on them. You know, the Bible tells us very, very clearly that every single one of us has got the creator God's stamp on us. The Bible tells us in the very beginning that you, not someone else, you were made in his image. Unique, valuable, created with his stamp. So it's who creates us that gives us value, but we're also, the thing that gives something value is its uniqueness. And there is no one in the world like you. There is no one else in the world like you. I love when I find a doppelganger. I'm looking for my own doppelganger. I can't find it. People want to suggest. Someone suggested I look like Zach Galifianakis. Does anyone who know, knows who that is? I went to the little Drake's IGA down here. I, and Zach's a funny guy, I'm Hollywood star. But I went to the IGA down here about six months ago before it shut and the guy at the, at the uh, um, till says, you have a striking resemblance from da for Dana White, the head of the UFC. Has anyone ever told you that before? I'm like, is he fit and muscly? Because thinking that's where you're seeing it. But apparently I look like Dana White. I don't think I looked him up. I don't think I do. But there is no one else in the world like you. No one has been created with the same mix of gifts and talents and passions. No one carries your unique physical characteristics the way that you do. You are an original. The XAGT Falcon isn't valuable because there are two million of them on the roads. It's valuable because it's unique. There's not many of them that can be found. So our value is found in who created us, whose stamp is on us. One, how unique we are. And thirdly, what potential there is for restoration. When you buy a classic car, you don't buy it if there's no hope of ever putting it back together. You buy it knowing that with a little bit of elbow grease, with the right parts, with some hard work, that there's a chance to restore it back to some of its original glory. And that's where value is found in us as well. You're stamped with God the Creator's mark. You are a unique original and God sees in you untold potential. No matter how broken you feel, no matter how weathered you feel, no matter how stupid you've been, no matter where you've come from, God has not given up on you. There is always the chance for restoration. See, value really matters and getting a hold of our value 
really matters because when we recognize the value we have, it changes the way we treat others, changes the way we care for others. If you read the Gospels, you read the story of Jesus, one of the things that just becomes abundantly apparent is how much of Jesus' life and ministry he poured into the poor, the outcast, the marginalized, and those that society had cast aside. Jesus is often sitting having a meal with a group of Pharisees, but he's there to challenge their thinking and their understanding. And in the scriptures, the Pharisees were like the religious leaders of the day. We don't have uh, Pharisees by title wandering around. We've got people that have the heart of the Pharisees. You know, the, they're the ones that are legalistic and telling everyone else how they're failing and what they're not doing right. You know, to be a good Christian, you've got to be like this. That's the Pharisaical heart and attitude. Jesus often ate with the Pharisees, but to challenge their thinking and their behaviour. But Jesus spent more time eating, hanging out, ministering, rolling around with the lepers, the outcasts, the prostitutes, those that society had rejected and despised. You see, because Jesus understood the inherent value in someone, it changed the way that he treated them. But for us to be able to show value to others, we have to understand the value we have in ourselves. One day Jesus is challenged to talk about what the greatest commandments are. And he says this, this is Matthew 22. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. So you grasp that verse for a minute. Love your neighbour as yourself. There's something inherent in this understanding of how we view and understand ourselves that then creates the capacity for us to love others and value them. And part of the challenge this morning, part of the challenge for many of us is actually seeing the value that God sees in us so that we too can be people that love and value others the way that God intends for them to be loved and cared for. Have you ever entrusted something of value to someone? that doesn't care. You stepped into someone's car, sat in someone's car. I guarantee if you take, you know, Daryl or Glenn out to your car today and they sit in and they see McDonald's chips on the floor and they see, you know, like footprints on the dash and they see like coffee spilt on the thing. They see just water bottles rolling on the back seat. They see dirty clothes. If they get in your car and there's crumbs everywhere, if you say to them, hey, I was just wondering if I could just take your car for a spin, they're probably going to say, No, no, you can't. Because we don't like to entrust something of value to people that don't care for that which is their own. One of the great challenges for us is to actually get a hold of the value that God sees in us. Remember, you bear His stamp. You are unique in every sense. And He sees untold potential in you. When we get a hold of that, it changes the way that we care for others. See, God is in the business of restoration. He actually wants to take that that is beat up, bruised, weathered, broken and dented in your life and restore it to a place of beauty. Now, restoration helps rediscover the beauty in the original state of a vehicle. And we have someone that wants to do a restoring work in us. You know, many people hear that message and the thing, and some of you here today, the minute you hear me say that there is someone that wants to do a restoring work in you. You say in your heart, if you only knew my story, if you only knew what I was really like, if you only knew my history, if you only knew my choices, if you only knew who I was, you wouldn't say that. 
The Bible makes it abundantly clear to us that there is no one beyond the reach and the grace and the love and the restoration of Jesus. One of the great stories in the scripture is when Jesus is walking around with his disciples and they come across a man that would have been really well known. Like he, was, he would have been known as a, a crazy guy, keep your kids away, don't go to that area of town. The Bible just tells us, all well, we know, we don't know his name, we just know that he's a, a, a guy that lives in the region of the Gerasenes, the Bible tells us, and that he was filled with an impure spirit. Let me tell you a little bit about what the Bible tells us for this guy. So when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. He lived amongst the tombs. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd been chained hand and foot, but tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I mean, this is a picture of someone that was completely at the end broken, messed up, mixed up in every sense. But whereas everybody else avoided him, the Bible tells us that Jesus went and ministered to him, prayed for him, released him of the impure spirit that he had. And the final picture we get of this man is a man that the Bible says was sitting in his right mind asking Jesus if he could follow so he could testify to the world of the work that God had done in him. See, God sees the potential for restoration in every single one of us. Actually, his goal is to bring us back to the place that he always intended us to be. The Bible tells a very simple story of how sin breaks into the picture and starts to mess up God's good intention for your life. And sometimes sin's a very attractive thing, but when we look back on it, we see the way it destroyed relationships or destroyed our health or destroyed you know, our integrity. But the Bible says that God actually came to give us a way out of our mess. To actually bring us through it. Not that the past gets erased and disappeared. Although the Bible says that in God's mind and eyes, it is forgotten and it's flung as far as the east is from the west. In his mind, his forgiveness goes so far in your life that your past story doesn't become part of your future narrative. That is the love and grace of God. But he believes that you are worth the effort to restore. God is in the business of restoration. You know, restoration can be slow, it can be costly, it can be painful. Go and ask a few of the wives of those that have bought their classic cars today and they probably will tell you some of that story. And there's no perfect car. Every car's got its idiosyncrasies. Every car doesn't have the right upgrades or updates. There's been new engineering. There's greater comfort. There's more fuel efficiency. There's reversing cameras. None of those cars out there have any of those things. They're not perfect cars, but they're cars of unique and unimaginable value that have been lovingly restored back to their original intent. And that's what God does with us. Life's going to bring rust and decomposition and dirt and fading, but restoration by the Spirit of God, will bring you back to your original state and intention. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is in the work of regenerating us, renewing us, restoring us. And one day, the picture of the Scripture is one day we'll all be ultimately restored back to the place that God intended for us to be. God is in the business of restoration. And the final thing I want to say this morning as we land, I'll get the band to come join me, is this. Ultimately, something's value 
is only found in the price that someone's willing to pay for it. This jersey is of great value to me. In this room of haters, <laughs> I might struggle to get $20 for it. You see, something's value is only found in what someone's willing to pay for it. You see that when people put up items for sale and they obviously in their mind have a great kind of love and affection towards it, but no one's willing to pay the price that they've named. So we can value something, but really its value is only found in what someone will hand over, what they'll tap their card for, what cash they'll take out of their pocket. The Bible says this. Jesus says this. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. For greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Then goes on to say this a little bit later in the Scriptures. And God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Something's value is only found in the price that someone's willing to pay for it. You are so valuable to God that He was willing to give up His own life for you. There is no greater price, there is no greater love, Jesus says, than someone can show, no greater price than someone can pay than to give their own life as an act of love for another. We celebrate that in our nation when we come to days like Anzac Day and, and other times of great sacrifice. When we celebrate those that were willing to give up their life because of the value they saw in someone else and the desire for someone else to know life. And the Bible says that God loves you so much and values you so much. You're invaluable to Him, so much so that if you were the only person on planet Earth, He would have given up His life for you. If you want to know how valuable you are, ask the question, what price is someone willing to pay for me? And many of us have looked around and we've had bad experiences of friends and family and others that have neglected us and rejected us and isolated us and abandoned us. Some of us have looked at the worldly relationships we've got and looked at that and determined our value. Some of us have looked at you know, how we've scaled the heights of success and never quite got to the places we thought we would. And we've drawn our value from that. I want to encourage you this morning on this Father's Day that if you want to draw your value from one place, draw it from the narrative of the one who put his stamp on you when he created you uniquely and valuable, was willing in the end, in the midst of your brokenness and rebellion, to give his life because that's how valuable you are to him. There is no greater story that you will ever find. There is no other place of salvation. Earning more money, buying more things won't save you. It'll just make you hungry for more. It'll just highlight to you that there's a hole in your life that nothing else can satisfy. But God Himself, clothed in flesh and blood in the person Jesus came, Preach the message of love, grace, forgiveness. Preach the message of a brand new kingdom, a place where the rule and reign of God is all in all, where goodness reigns and joy reigns and peace reigns and kindness reigns, where people aren't loved and valued for what they do or how much they've got, but they're valued because of who they are created in Christ Jesus. And then even though people rejected that message, He willingly gave up His life 
so that you could know your value to God. This is Father's Day. As a dad, I want my kids to know their value. And I try and show it in so many ways. I try and tell it to them. Sometimes I try and tell it to them in ways that aren't helpful. They think that I'm rousing on them, but I'm only rousing on them because I see them making some dumb choices that are going to mess up their life. I don't always get it right because I'm an imperfect father. But the perfect father, God himself, saw you in your mess and your brokenness and gave up his life because you were worth it. And now what he wants to do is just gently and compassionately and graciously work on the messed up bits and the broken bits and bring his hope, bring his healing and bring his restoration into your life so that you can continue to discover who God created you to be. I'd love to pray for us this morning. Can I do that? Lord, I know there's many of us here that struggle to understand how valuable we are. Lord, for some of us this morning, it's it's life decisions we've made or just reckless decisions we've made that have kind of followed us. We feel the pain of that and the weight of that. For others, we've, we've just had a rough run. God, decisions that were made for us or decisions that we had no control over. You know, even things physically in our body that have just meant that life hasn't been easy. Life's been full of challenges. And God, we can grab all those narratives and start to believe that we aren't worth anything. But you want us to know that we are worth more than we could ever imagine. So much so that you would lay down your own life for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you're in the business of restoration. There is no sin, there is no decision, there is no action in our past that is beyond your grace, your love and your forgiveness. But in every single one of us, you see the potential. You see the opportunity for us to continue to be shaped, to be more the people that you always intended for us to be. May we discover our value in you, we pray. Hey, I just want to give us a moment and an opportunity. And uh, maybe you've never sat in church before. This might feel like an odd thing. But the Bible talks, the story I've told about Jesus' love for you. The Bible talks about there's a moment where we make a decision that we're actually going to trust Him and His story. We're actually going to allow His story to become our story. We're going to embrace and accept His forgiveness. And we're going to just surrender our life into His good plans for our life. And now that's a lifelong decision, a lifelong journey. For people here today that are people of faith, that is an everyday decision to continue to follow Jesus. But for all of us, there's a starting point. There's a moment where we say, oh, I've never encountered God's grace. I've never encountered God's forgiveness. I'm sick of trying to do this on my own. And today I choose to make Him my Lord and Saviour and to embrace His story as my own. The Bible says very simply that as we do that, He just he forgives us. He welcomes us into His family. He fills us with His Spirit that starts the work of restoration in us. And I just wonder if some of us here today have never made that decision to put our faith and our hope in Jesus. And if that's you today, there's no better day than Father's Day to start that journey. 
And I'd just love to pray for you. And just, I'm going to ask everyone else if you just close your eyes for this moment. Just, I don't want people to feel like they're in a spotlight, but I'd love to pray for you. And so I can do that. Can I just ask if that's you, if today you'd like to say yes to Jesus and begin a brand new life of following Him, allowing Him to do a good work in you, to discover the value that He sees in you. Just ask you to raise your hand just so I can see it, just so I can pray for you this morning. Then we're just going to help you do that journey and discover all that God has for you. Thanks, mate. Bless you. Thanks, mate. Anyone else? Anyone else today? Joining that prayer. Okay, let's pray together. Why don't you all pray along with me if you believe this. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you gave your life for me. Today I choose to accept your grace and your forgiveness. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. But today I choose to accept you as my Lord and Saviour. Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we would love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au. 